delighted to say that I'm joined on Football CFB by Ziggy Gordon, best known in Scotland for his time at Hamilton, where he was influential in, in, in many great escapes and promotions as well. Also finished top six with Partick Thistle, which people forget in the top flight. Had spells in Poland, another spell Hamilton, and now down under at Central Coast Mariners. First of all, Ziggy, how's life down under? It's sunny, it's sandy, <laughs> uh, and it's hot. Because <laughs> I always think, this is a thing, I must say, uh, over here at the moment, the weather's quite good, but nothing compared to what you're getting. So how, how good is it being able to go to the beach whenever you want? It's just, it's just the consistency that, obviously, us Scots don't get back home. We have one nice day every so often and then it's just bleak every other day but here it's it's sunny just about every day you in fact even miss the rain sometimes you look forward to when it rains uh just to give you a bit of normalism uh but you know what you can't fault it i think that's why there's so many expats over here that's very true and um obviously i've got family that live in australia as well and they say the same all the time you need to come over you need to come over and uh, hopefully one day i definitely will um the f- before we talk football, something that I really want to talk to you about is you were a, a childhood chess champion. Discuss your, your skill of chess. It's, more like, it's mostly just a hobby uh, that I turned out to be half decent at. And uh, when I was a young lad, I used to go to tournaments and I, I fared pretty well. And I ended up being the, the best of my age uh, for a few years. Uh, you know, I still dabble here and there online, but nothing too serious. As I say, not many footballers can say that. Um, in terms of coming through the system at Hamilton, um, how did you get involved at Hamilton? When were you signed up? And what was it like coming through that system? Because so many young players have come out of that football club. It was a, a satellite centre in Annie's Land, uh, Hamilton Boys Club, that I first went to after just playing for my school team, just like I think every other young lad uh, got picked up by a boys club. Then uh, the pro youth system, you know, I, I was good. I, I see, I was deemed good enough to play for the pro youth system. Joined them, I think, at about eleven or twelve, and then I just made my way through the youth ranks. You know, people left, right, and centre leaving, people coming in, uh, and I managed just to stick in there and uh, made my first team debut at seventeen. But uh, like you quite rightly say, the Hamlin's youth setup is is one that's very much admired. I think throughout the UK. Uh, for obvious reasons, and uh, I think I continue to do that to this day. That's really true, and, and something that I want to want to ask is, you've got the obviously first-hand experience. See, when you're coming through at Hamilton, see, because it, they've got a history of promoting young players, do you fully expect and that you will get an opportunity if you continue to play well? Is that made clear to you from a young age? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I think... Uh, to Hamilton's credit, they've used their biggest disadvantage, which is obviously finance, finance plus uh, you know volume of support to their to their advantage. You know they've looked into different avenues in order to promote youth and to promote their football club. And as you can see by the the average age now and and the team that got promoted, you know what seven eight years ago, it was just a bag of, of youthful youthful hunger, hungry boys. Uh, like myself, and uh, it's testament to, to them at the end of the day. In terms of making your debut, you make your debut 
against St Johnston, the result doesn't turn out to be the result you want. But what was it like making your your professional debut? Because it's every young boy's dream. No, of course. I mean, I, I remember I wasn't in the picture when I first went full time. I managed to just grind and and you know, hand in hand with hard work and and a bit of good fortune, I managed to make a reserves a reserve uh, team squad against Hibernian away. I played really well that day and I just remember that was the first time the manager really took notice of me. And then from there, I remember boys saying, oh, you'll get in the squad, you'll get in the squad. And I didn't really think, I just wanted to cement a place in the, in the under-19 squad. And then fortunately enough, you know, it's, um, the first team went to St. Johnson away and, and I just remember uh, walking to the gym two days before and uh, I got a phone call from the assistant, uh, one of the assistants, Frankie McAvoy, and just said, by the way, you're in the squad uh, for St. Johnson. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I had to pinch myself. And and then the next thing I know, I obviously knew I was going to be in the bench. It was just great to go out there and warm up. I remember that just so fondly. And then 10 minutes before um, kickoff, I was already making my way through the tunnel to, to get my jumper on. Uh, David Elbert got injured in the warm-up. And I just got told you're playing right back from nowhere. So I didn't even get a chance to really get nervous. And I remember just being totally excited and I just played my heart out. And I, I remember that day really fondly. A fun day for, for making your debut. Something that, again, many fans like myself can only dream of. When you were starting at Hamilton, the manager was Billy Reid. He's obviously now at Brighton and Hove Albion, albeit in a different role as, as the assistant to Graham Potter. What was it like as a manager? Because so highly rated in Scotland for so many years, but for whatever reason, obviously when he when he left Hamilton, he didn't really stay in management for for a lot longer. I mean, I'll always be grateful to Billy Reid for giving me the chance in football first and foremost. Um, as a guy, I think he's a great guy. I've always got on well with him. He was a winner, uh, very enthusiastic, very funny. I think he was well-liked as well. Um, and I think just every football club, no, no matter how successful the football club is, as we've seen in, in many uh, recent years, sometimes football clubs just need a change. And I think it was just the time after, I think, a long spell. I think it was possibly the longest uh, spelling manager at the time at Hamilton. And I felt the club just needed a change. And I think he understood that. Um, it was very am amicable. And I think... Uh, Everyone can be so grateful for the job he done there. A very good job done indeed. And the next man we're about to talk about, he just took Hamilton on to a different level. And that man, as you know, Alex Neal. What was it like to play alongside, first of all, before we talk about him as a manager? He was scary. Very, <laughs> very, very, very intimidating. I mean, you're scared to put a pass two yards, you know, either side of, a, of another player. But it, it drove you forward. I mean, if if you had the mentality to get through that um, that man's skin and, and get through the the difficulty of playing with him, because it is scary, he demands so much of you, you'll go on and have a good career or you'll go on and, and do something with yourself, whether it's football or otherwise, because he demands so much from you and you either rise to it or you fall. And in terms of a manager, was he the exact same? Exact same. Extremely charismatic, uh, very intelligent, uh, knew his football down to the T, uh, knew his players, treated everyone differently depending on, on what they needed um, at the time. Great man-manager, 
and you know I think uh, what he's done in the game speaks for itself. Absolutely, and in terms of the question that I'm sure you're asked more often than not, but I think it's very important to talk about is the the promotion winning campaign. I mean, let's be honest, when Hamilton are playing against Hibs in that playoff, most of Scottish football just assumes Hibs are going to Hibs massive club. They've got some exciting players like Sir Jason Cummins. They'll beat Hamilton, no bother, and we'll just move on. But it was it was far from that. But before we talk about the, the final result, see after the first leg when you when you lose two 0 I mean, do you think that's it all over? No, I mean, I, I've been asked that question so many times, and it's the same answer. I mean, throughout that season, we felt we were the better team. Of course, congratulations to Dundee on winning the league. You win the league because. You, you gain the most points, uh, and they and they done that. So uh, there's no hard feelings there. But we felt that we were the better team in that season. Uh, we played some really good football. We had a good uh, good dynamics within the team. Um, everyone kind of bounced off each other, and we knew going into that Hibs game. Although we beat, we lost two 0 we felt we were the better team in that game, um, and we knew there was just a feeling uh, of calmness before the game. Uh, Easter Road. We just, I felt like everyone just knew that we were going to win the game. I know it can be seen as, uh, you know, um, hindsight's a great thing and it's easy for me to say that now, but I can assure you everyone in that dressing room knew they were going to win the game. In terms of the game at Easter Road, the two goal scorers I want to ask you about because they're two players that fascinate me, Jason Scotland and Tony Andrew. I mean, just what were they like to play with, especially Scotland because he seems so laid back from the outside looking in. I mean, Jason was the is the best finisher I've ever seen live. Uh, just phenomenal. Made things look so easy. Strong as an ox. Um, and he worked hard as well. You know, he didn't just come to Hamilton and and, and uh, take the foot off the gas. He really he really put it in for the team, and he cared about cared about everyone there. So, I mean, I think everyone at Hamilton is grateful for his contribution. I certainly am. Um, Tony, I'm good mates with Tony. Uh, <laughs> I wind up Tony all the time and say that's all. He only scored the goal in that game and did nothing else. <laughs> uh, but if only that was true, uh, he was phenomenal on that day. Um, he was phenomenal all season, and quite rightly, uh, earned his move uh, to Norwich. In terms of getting back to the top flight again, with a manager like Alex Neil, you, you talk about standards. They're going to be high. They were high. When you look at some of the results. This is what really, I'm just looking at some of the stats right now. There's a, three games in the trot. You beat Mullerwell 4-0. You beat Celtic at Celtic Park. Then you beat Aberdeen 3-0. I mean, under Alex Neil, even though you were in the top flight, did he just have every single player believing that you deserve to be here and you are here on merit? Yeah, 100%. I remember during that time when we're having good results, I think we played Celtic, we beat Celtic, and then the next week we played Dundee away and we lost 1-0. That game hurts me more than the other games make me feel joyous. It's, it's just, I, don't know, I don't know why that is, but I always remember during that five, six games that we were flying, we lost to Dundee away, and I remember that hurt every single player because we were so... We, at that time, we were almost quite arrogant. We knew how good a team we were. And we felt like we, we dropped our standards after doing so well for so many weeks. And I think that game especially almost drove us, drove us on. And I think we beat Aberdeen 3-0 uh, after that game or had a good few results after that one. So 
it just shows you the hunger in that team and a lot of it stems from the manager. How Describe how you all felt when he got the move down south. I mean, Norwich come calling, massive club, can totally understand why he wanted to take that challenge. But selfishly, of course, as a player and a group of players, were you thinking, this is not what we need halfway through a season? Not at all. I think, you know, for everything he'd done for the club, he deserved it. He deserved it more than any of the players, quite honestly. Um, so everyone was delighted for that. Like, he had no choice but to take the take the move. And, you know, I think what he'd done for the, the second half of the season at Norwich is, you know, incredible. It will go down in history as one of the most uh, brilliant turnarounds in, in English football and certainly in the championship stage to get a promotion that year. And... Uh, of course, selfishly, I was distraught. I was more distraught than I ever thought I would be. I was very emotional on that day. I'd known Alex since I, since before I was a, a first-team pro. He took me under his wing. He helped me out a lot. Um, and, uh, of course, I was happy for him, but I was also very uh, sad on the day. Very sad on the day, and understandably so. One of the players at Hamilton I want to ask about, Ali Crawford, and the reason I want to ask about Ali is because Really talented player, performed very well for Hamilton. Down south, he's, had, he's, he's been doing okay, but I, I must say I did expect him to maybe go to an even higher level because when he was in Scotland, he was a joy to watch. I mean, Calm, I'll be honest, football's a funny game. It, there's not always you know, that meritocracy in football. Things happen all the time that is with, out with your control. It's happened to me in my career. No doubt it's happened to Ali. You know, in terms of football player, you know, like you say, brown to watch. One of the most talented individuals that I've I've played Absolutely. with. Um, but football, football's a funny old game. It doesn't always go the way you want. But I think he's had a, a really good career, you know, in, in my opinion. No, he's definitely, no disputing the fact he's had a good career. I just, as I say, I think, obviously, Doncaster, Bolton, good clubs, but, with the talent he was showing in that Hamilton team at the time, I potentially expected there was links at times with Rangers. Um, I was expecting maybe he would do that or go to an even higher level. But as you say, to play for even those clubs in Doncaster and Bolton, big clubs down south. So, so no disputing that he's definitely had a good career. And another player who interests me, obviously went on to become the manager, Martin Cannon. What was he like as a player? And then what was he like as a manager? Because I imagine, I know Alex Neil made that transition, but I imagine it's, it's, it's something that could be quite tough. It was, it was different for, for Martin uh, because, first and foremost, Alex Neil was always primed for the manager's job, even before he was a manager. We, the players almost saw him as a manager um, before he became one. And he had that transition. And it's a lot easier to do that when you're in the championship as well. Martin took over from almost nowhere. I, I've got no doubt he, he didn't know that the job was coming so quickly. Um, he had to adapt. We had a very difficult run of uh, results. We had a few injuries. I got injured on my, my MCL at that time. So it's very, it was very difficult to adapt. But, you know, I think it's helped him in the long run. I th- he kept Hamonakis up in the, in the Premier League for, I think, four seasons, which is, you know, speaks for itself, a fantastic achievement and possibly that hard school um, that he had to contend with uh, eventually helped him in the end. 
absolutely. And in terms of your time at Hamilton in that first spell, how do you reflect on it? Um, because there was interest in you, as you'll know, um, because you were consistently doing well. You also won a Player of the Year award, I should point out, along the way. I mean, just sum up that first spell at Hamilton, because you were absolutely flying for the majority of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to really, you know, articulate everything that happened. I was there since I was 12 years old. So much happened uh, during that 11-year spell. Um, you know, a, a lot of things happened out with my control. Um, some things I'm not happy with, some things, you know, I'm so grateful for. And that's football. Football's a roller coaster journey. It's not... Um, it's possibly, it's not the, the perceived what everyone thinks it is. Uh, it can be difficult at times, especially when, you know, you're not these these glamorous football players on TV earning so many millions of pounds, you know. Um, it's very competitive. Uh, you need to make right decisions. You need to get timings right. Um, you need to play under the right managers, the right clubs. There's so much that goes in to becoming a successful football player. Um, that people possibly don't see or people maybe uh, take for granted. But during that first spell, I fell in love with the club uh, and I'm still in love with the club uh, to this day. So there's no grievances against uh, Hamwin Aki's. They, they moulded me into the player um, I am today and they moulded me um, into the person I am today. In terms of the move to Partick, what attracted you to, to move there? Partick's a funny one. Um, when I left Hamwin Aki's, I had a lot of interest from down south and abroad um, and, and in, in, in Scotland. I mean, I had a fairly successful season that year. And basically what came about was I was going to go to one club um, and then uh, unfortunately, unfortunately the manager left that club um, then a few other doors closed. Partick always, you know, I had a great admiration for Alan Archibald. I thought they had a great support. I thought it was a great place to be at the time. And uh, I felt they were a club, you know, that was like a sleeping giant that could be really forceful in the future. And the fans were fantastic with me. They, they really um, helped me out when times were tough. And, you know, I played, I, played, uh, I think, 19 of the of the 25 games up until Christmas and then obviously I went over to Poland. In terms of the move to Poland, was that something that always was always on your mind as something you'd like to do because obviously you've got Polish heritage. Was that something that was always a move that if you ever got that opportunity that you know, you'd quite fancy? Yeah, I mean, this club in particular, in particular, um, tried to, to sign me a few times and I just felt at that stage in my career um, I was in a good place myself and I felt like I wanted to take the take the plunge and it's never easy you know leaving your leaving what you know behind into a completely foreign land um, into a different kind of football with a different culture we've seen so many Scottish lads go abroad and, and back almost immediately um, because it's so difficult to handle and I went over there uh, played there for two years, memories that I'll keep for forever. And I, you know, look, fortunate enough for me, I met my fiance there. Um, so, whatever happens, I'll be grateful for that. In terms of settling in over there, was that a, 
a process that was tough? Was it a process that um, was quite easy for you? It was very difficult. I'm very close to my family, so leaving them behind was was obviously, um, you know, tumultuous. It was a, a difficult journey, but the people there made me feel very welcome, uh, very hospitable, kind, caring, and uh, I, re- I really just focused on my football. You played with a young Patrick Clamalla. That's something that I know you've spoken about in the past. In terms of him coming through the ranks, was was he a standout player at that time? To be fair, I never really, I never really played too much with him. Um, I never, he was never in the squads at that time because he was just a young lad coming through. He was just, a, I just remember him being an eager, hungry striker that wanted to score goals in training. Absolutely, and in terms of the standard of football. Um, what was the standard like in Poland? Because I know there was a, an instant where you talked about the coaching in Scotland and made a comparison. A few people were frustrated by that. But again, you've got to say it as it is. And in your experience, the standard in Poland, was it, was it really impressive? The standard in Poland was uh, beyond my comprehension. It was a different, if it was a different uh, kind of football um, and specificity that I'm used to. When I went over there, I was way, way, way short of standard I needed to be. And I had to go through six, seven, eight weeks of training and learning how they play to, to even get a, a chance of playing in the, in the starting 11. But the, interv- the interview that you mentioned, I think it's, it's been, uh, it's got a dark uh, overcast on it. If you actually listen to the interview, I praised Scottish managers. I praised the Scottish game. I only said the differences in terms of um, the way they play the game, which is obvious if you look at any league. The Italian league plays different to the Spanish league. That's not me saying the Spanish league is better than the Italian league. Uh, The English league plays different to the Bundesliga league. That's not me to say that the English league is better than the Bundesliga. So I think... uh, it's easier to comment on criticism than it is to comment on uh, positive uh, comments. I, I would agree with that. Very true. And this is a thing, as you've just mentioned there, um, at times, the problem that can come, and it's I, when you make a genuine comparison that anyone does, as you've said, sadly, there will be elements who don't focus on it in context. They take the sound bite that they want, which can be very frustrating. In terms of the dressing room environment. How did the dressing room compare in Poland to the way it was in Scotland? Was it was it majorly different, or was it very much one and the same? Um, I think every dressing room is different. I think every dressing room and every club is different. Um, certainly in Poland, it was very much together. Everyone was together. Everyone ate together, went out together. It was just one big family. Uh, there's a lot of traditions in Poland that we don't have. It's gone, for instance, uh, you need to clap the fans before you enter the pitch. You need to go over to all the fans after the game. You need to thank the fans after the game. Um, you do huddles before every single uh, match. You know, obviously, um, the notorious Celtic huddle is um, so famous in Scotland, but every club does the same. Uh, and there's little nuances and little traditions that they have there that we don't that we don't share, and 
that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean anything. It just means that, that they've always done that and we've always done this. See, because of your love for Hamilton, see when um, the opportunity was there to return to Scotland, was it always Hamilton that you were really excited to return to? Yeah, I mean, I had some... I'd been in Poland for two years. I had some uh, issues at home that I needed to kind of take care of, and it was a lot easier to do so being in Scotland. Um, I had... I reached out... Well, my agent reached out to a few teams in Scotland, and there was... Uh, Two teams in particular that were interested. Uh, I then reached out to Hamo, and um, and then fr- from then on, it was like, it was not an easy choice, but it was a choice where I felt most comfortable in going to. I knew what I was going to get. They knew what they were going to get, and I think uh, last season was possibly you know individually my best season so far. I've got to ask you a question that I've been preempted with. How frustrated are you when it comes to the great escape that Steve Davis gets all the credit when you scored the first goal? I think without my goal, we would have never gone up. That's all I'm saying, Callum. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I mean, I scored I scored one goal uh, against St Mirren, um, away at St Mirren that season, which was a vital goal in the game. Um, and then to score that goal against St Johnson, um, was was massive. It made it made it meant everything to me because during that season, I I really um, found something you know within myself to to give that little bit more in every single game, even even through the the difficult times, which there's going to be in every single team, let alone a team struggling at the bottom. Um, so I was really uh, pleased with myself. And it certainly encouraged me to to look ahead. And uh, yeah, I was I was delighted to score that goal and gives a bit of a, a respite and uh, you know cool all the players down. And obviously, he just has to score to <laughs> take the credit. But it's the first goal that matters. You know, the second goal is just uh, glossing on a cake. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, see, in terms of a game of that magnitude, um, people always focus on life at the top of any division, and I can understand that, but equally, see when you're in a situation like Hamilton where that season, where basically you need to win that game or get a positive result to stay up and be safe. Going into those kind of games, can you go in and play play freely, or does the magnitude of the occasion subconsciously play on your mind? I think uh, the answer to that question will differ depending on the person you ask, Calm. Um, so I can't tell you what the mentality of the squad was, the first 11 was. I just know my mentality was to win the game at any means, how ugly, how pleasant. I did not care. Um, all I knew is I had to win that game because we knew we had to win the game to stay up. But a draw wasn't enough, as we found out. Um, so especially, you know, the pain of, of the week before where we lost to Samirin in the dying minutes. After being t- after being a man down for I think seventy five minutes of the game, uh, that was difficult. And then we went into St Johnston, and you know I think everyone just knew what the task was. Uh, but then again, Cal, I think uh, the answer to that question will, will differ. I'm sure there'll be boys who said they absolutely were shitting a brick. <laughs> if I can say that on the podcast. Of course. Uh, I'm sure boys were thinking about their job, their mortgages their bonuses, 
uh, where they're going to be next year. All these things must come into your head uh, if you're a sane person, um, knowing the magnitude of the game. Because at the end of the day, if we go down the championship, players' lives change, jobs change, community changes, um, all the outreach that Hamonakis are able to do possibly isn't as expansive. There's so many um, negative outcomes from, from getting uh, relegated and I'm so fortunate, not just for myself, but for those around the, the club um, that we managed to stay up. This is a question I'm really impressing you on. A lot of, there's, there's people within Scottish football in terms of fans who say that teams like Hamilton shouldn't be in the top flight because of their pitch and the lack of a crowd. How much does that frustrate you? Because in, I've written an article recently about merit in terms of being in the top flight is earned on the pitch. It's not earned in the stands. And that's something I'm quite passionate about. And Hamilton, in my opinion, if you look at their record, deserve to be in the top flight. What's your opinion on the people who say that, oh, they've not got a big enough crowd. We'd like to see other teams in the top flight. My, my only opinion is what's the point in, in, in playing sport if there's only guarantees? Simple. Exactly. And I, I must say, I'm, I'm glad that you've summed that up very, very uh, concisely because it's something that I'm passionate about. It's, it's something that really frustrates me. I mean, another team that gets criticism is, is Livingston. Oh, they've not got a nice style of play. Oh, they've got a pitch, blah, 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 plastic pitch. But this is something that I'm passionate about. I'm, I'm interested to get your view on it. Not every single team can play incredible, expansive football. Now, Hamilton try, and that's, I'm not disputing Hamilton. Some people say, oh, Livingston can be quite direct, etc. But I think teams have to be adaptable because, if, if, for instance, if Livingston or Hamilton go to Celtic Park in Ibrooks and they play a very open, expansive game, the chances are, more often than not, the bigger two will win the game because they've got more firepower. In terms of adaptability of styles, is that something that, for, in your opinion, is part and parcel of the game? Yeah, of course, and that's why football's evolved. We no longer play, you know, with a sweeper at the back. We now have offsides. We know players are fitter, stronger, faster than they were before. Players pass the ball a lot more than they possibly did before. Games quicker, you know. Um, Guardiola's changed the game. Mourinho changed the game. Sachs Ferguson changed the game. The game's constantly evolving. The game will continue to evolve. And if you don't evolve with it or try and play to your best strengths, you're going to fail. It's simple as that. If, if your strengths are going long and play on second balls, then that's what you've got to do. And if, you're, if your strength is playing the ball on the deck, then that's what, you do, what you've got to do. The credit should go to the team that plays to the strengths the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the obvious question I've got for you, and I'm, I'm interested to get your perspective on an extended platform, you were set to move to Romania. Um, that deal was agreed, two-year contract. Things changed quite quickly, which left you quite shocked at the time. Um, describe that whole situation because there must be nothing worse than agreeing a contract somewhere, being excited to go, and then for no fault of your own, something something changing. Yeah, and this is, this is the, the form of football people don't see, and why should they? because um, it's quite dark and of course I was excited at agreed terms with uh, Dynamo Bucharest, a massive team in Romania as everyone uh, I'm sure knows yes. um, 
I was on good terms with the manager. The manager uh, wanted me and, and made, showed me a lot of um, like a lot of love and um, had a had a great you know idea of how I was going to play in that club. Then just before I know it, um, the manager leaves, gets sacked. A new manager comes in with totally different ideas. And I've always been a player who wants to play games. I don't want to be a bit part, bit part player who just wants to go to clubs and, and dilute clubs of finances. You know, when I look back at my career, I want to know what I've achieved as well. Um, and so I made it upon myself to get myself out of there and then uh, look at options uh, once over again. In terms of Romania, this is something that, again, credit to you, 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 you went to Poland, as we talked about earlier. You seem like someone as a character who fascinates me in the sense that you're willing to give other cultures an opportunity, something that not many Scottish-based players have potentially done over the years. Yes, you've got the likes of John Collins and others that have maybe went to France or what I would what you'd maybe refer to as a mainstream foreign country for football. But for you going to Poland and then being willing to go to Romania, I mean... Is that something you've always been open to, offers from anywhere, as long as it can give you your professional red lines of being a regular starter? I think if you don't test yourself, you never grow. And, I mean, that's a testament uh, to everyone. I think that's uh, advice I would give anyone. You've got to test yourself um, to, to know where you stand as a person. I think if you don't try different other cultures, how are you supposed to have different perspectives? If you don't have different perspective, how are you supposed to um, know who you are as a human being, as a person? Um, so that's what I try to do. I try to immerse myself in different cultures and different opportunities and put myself in situations that um, scare me a little. And uh, I think, you know, going 10,000 miles across the pond uh, certainly is a bit, uh, a bit different to what others might my fancy, but uh, I'm open to any opportunity that you know align, which aligns with uh, you know my morals and and my career path. In terms of life at the Mariners now, what's that like? And you've got someone in your team who used to play in Scotland as well, and Michael McGlinchey came through at Celtic, expelled at Dunfermline and Mullerwell. Is he someone who you are quite close to in the dressing room? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, me and Mikey have similar kinds of banter. Um, not that I've got any. I just feed <laughs> off him. Uh, but no, we, we reminisce about times in Scotland and how different it is from Scotland to, to where we are now. It's a different life. Uh, totally different culture. Uh, as odd as that might seem since, you know, it's the Commonwealth. Lots of expats, same same uh, language, etc. It's very different here, um, but you know myself and my partner have loved the experience. We've met some fantastic people on the way, and you know we don't know what the future will hold, especially with these uh, you know uncertain times. But all we know is we're taking it day by day and enjoying you know enjoying the the life that we have. Absolutely, and and in terms of Australia. Um, well, what's not to like compared to Scotland in the sense that you've got the same languages you've talked about and then you've got a, a different culture with even better weather so it seems like a win-win No, certainly, I mean that doesn't 
I mean to say that I don't miss a lot of lot of things about home. Of course. Um, there's there's thing there's parts of uh, Scotland that you can't take with you, and you'll always you'll always miss um, the people, um, the places. Um, but I'm, I was supposed to be in Scotland last week. I was supposed to be getting married next week, but unfortunately, that's all uh, came to a halt. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll we'll begin the not begin. Uh, sorry, finish the season in the coming month or two, and then we'll just um, see how it goes from there. It's a difficult time for everybody. Um, so, if I've got any message uh, to share, it's just uh, to keep well, keep healthy, and look after one another. Absolutely, and I'd like to finish with some quick fire questions. First one being, what's your favourite sport outside of football? Uh, tennis. Who's your favourite sports person outside of football? After watching the Michael Jordan documentary, I would say Michael Jordan, but unfortunately I've got nothing uh, in comparison to him. Uh, so, I mean... I've not really ever had an idol in sport, to be honest. Um, I know that's a rubbish answer, but so I'll go with a generic uh, Michael Jordan. What's been your favourite ground to play at so far? Um, Ibrox. And why would you choose that? I mean, I had a season ticket uh, Celtic. I've uh, been a part of fantastic uh, Champions League nights at Celtic that I'll never forget. Um, but as a player, just walking out uh, in Ibrox, it's, it's very enclosed. It can be intimidating. Um, it's similar to Celtic in some aspects, but I think just uh, just something about Ibrox that's uh, a tad very small uh, part of me just uh, prefers playing there. Who's been the best manager of your career for you so far? I think uh, I think Alex Neil has, but I've had I've had some fantastic managers and some managers that are, are great in some respects, uh, some aspects that, that are better than others. Uh, that's that's the the nature of the beast, that it, isn't it? And who would you say? I'm interested to get your perspective on this one. The most underrated player you've played with so far? Uh, Kieran Miller. He plays for he plays for Airdrie. I played with him throughout my youth career. He was hampered by bad injuries. He was so close to to playing regularly in the first team, but just kept breaking down. He's uh, subsequently played for Stenhouse Muir and Airdrie, um, and he's five and played played in League One. But for me, he's the most underrated player I've, I've ever I've ever played with or ever came up against. Uh, yeah. I would say him. I would say him. There's a few, though. A few non-football ones for you. Um, Favourite music? Uh, uh, I like uh, D Smoke right now, uh, the rapper. Uh, but I'll, I'll listen to anything. Favourite film? That's difficult to answer. I'm going to say uh, Shawshank Redemption. Favourite food? Anything my missus uh, makes me. <laughs> Tea or coffee? Coffee. Beer or wine? Uh, neither. Ronaldo or Messi? Both. 
Who would you have rather played for, Clough or Ferguson? Fergie. And the last question I've got for you is, if you had to make a five-a-side team from all the players you played with in your spells at Hamilton, who would get in it and why? Oh, that's difficult. Um, right. I'll try and do it without thinking so it's not so uh, controversial. <laughs> I'll go my governing goals. I'll go... I won't pick myself, even though I would be in it for sure. <laughs> uh, I'll go for Garcia Tena. Uh, I'll go for Ari Crawford. Go for Jason Scotland. So it's that one, uh, two, three, four, and last of all, I'll go for Danny Danny Cunning, the kit man, because he was uh, decent at football tennis. How's that? <laughs> Fantastic, Ziggy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome, mate.